Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. If Campbelltown's a region, why can't Fife yeah, be? Yeah. Does Fife have the ability to, and the distilleries to do so? The answer is yes. The, the fact is, and I'm going to really plant my Fife flag in the, uh, <laughs> in the here, is it's where the best barley in the world grows. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, and Eden Mill will be using 100% Fife grown barley. Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories podcast with myself, Graham Cogart, and Angus, the whiskey fan, and myself. We're in different surroundings this evening, Angus. We're all the way up in sunny St Andrews in the Bothy at Eden Mill. How yeah, are you? Absolutely, yeah. Very well, thank you, Graham. Doing very well. We've not broken in. We are joined by uh, Ewan and Chris. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say not broken in. Um, I wouldn't say not broken in, but you're, you're here. We're yes. here. We've, we're, we have been invited. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were, we were invited here. We didn't just show up. But no, we're in the Bothy at Eden Mill in St Andrews, and it's it's really, really nice in here, eh? It's absolutely lovely, yeah. This is very nice and cosy as well. And for the first time ever, I'm uh, I'm driving for the Whiskey Stories <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah, so. I've, you've drawn the short straw. Um, we, we drove Schoolboy error. Schoolboy <laughs> error. I, I thought you could... Well, there's a train station here, isn't there? Yeah, nearby, there, there, right, there yeah, is. Lookers. Just 10 minutes down the road, you've got Lookers Station, yeah. Uh, good. So, I mean, lads, we're, we're all here in the Bothy at Eden Mill. Eden Mill is not a new distillery, but it's no. currently going through a bit of a shake-up, a bit of a rebrand. There's a lot, lot happening. So, I mean, what, what, what what's happening here at Eden Mill? Yeah, well, well, a massive, massive change. So, I think the 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 big thing is that well, we've not we've not distilled now in over six years. It'll be coming up. Yeah, two thousand and eighteen so, was the yeah. last cast fill on the original site. Really? So it's yeah, so massive, massive changes, uh, massive growth. To be honest with you, and and the 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 thing is that it's the the whiskey that's really kind of starting to step up and be the the exciting yeah the exciting side of things so yeah so just just for context so we're yeah. we're, we're, we're in the bothy and a, there's a car park and then across we can practically see where the new site is um, yeah it's that way. We're opposite the old site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're opposite the old yeah. site, and the yeah. new site is what about four hundred meters up that uh, direction, by, or by, no, but even three hundred yards. Three hundred yards. Because we're in the dark, you can't yeah. actually see it. So um, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. just giving me directions no, no, to get home. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to just wanted to put in that you know the new site and the old site very yeah. very close so, to each other. Yeah, you're, um, you're totally right. So we're on we're on the side of town or anything. No, no, no. You're spot on, mate. So it's, it's all still on the Eden campus. So yeah. so this site, to put it in a bit of context, like you say, this site started in 1810 as um, Segi Distillery. So it was right. actually where Hague Whiskey... Um, so this was so this site is yeah. a whiskey background anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Okay. So okay. so the, the old distillery started up, up the hill towards right. uh, Strathkinnis, King Capel Farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr Segi realised that they brought all their ingredients into the estuary by boat right. and sent products back out that way. So rather than having the, the horse and cart back then going up and down the hill, they said, let's build um, the distillery down on the estuary. Um, some of the buildings at the, the front of the site yeah. still have some of the walls really? from the distillery back then. Wow. So um, so it has that has that heritage, that history yeah. um, of, of distilling. And then it became a paper mill. So right, yeah. cut us fine papers. Uh-huh. Um, we always talk about this as like the the mine of the area yeah. because at its height, it employed over nine hundred people. So 
So it's it's, it's always been um, an industrial production site, yeah. and um, you and you and here has. Your yeah, four generations of my family uh, really? all worked wow. out here at the paper mills. So yeah, I grew up in St Andrews just along the road. Um, and yeah, like Chris said, the the paper mill here uh, was the big employer in the area. And yeah. Uh, yeah, four generations of my family before me all worked out here at one point. So, yeah. uh, I can go further back and... Uh, one of my uh, relatives worked on Kincapel Farm, uh, right. which was the Hague Farm as well. So, uh, yeah, the place is just steeped, uh, steeped in history. And it was quite a sad day when the paper mill closed its doors. Around 200 jobs were lost in, in the area. Yeah. Uh, to see so much life coming back to the site now um, with, it, obviously, St Andrews University. Mm -hmm. uh, it's their site. Uh, we're uh, the key tenant on here, and it's where we're building our new, our new distilleries. So it's yeah. really exciting time. Well, we can also mix this in because we, we can take the true crime podcast as oh, well because right. there is an, one of Scotland's most mysterious unsolved murders happened of an employee of the paper mill was found murdered in the 1980s and it was never solved. So, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> so there you go. What were your parents? We actually try and mix two podcasts together. This is Whiskey no. Stories True Crime Podcast. I don't know too much about murders, but I remember... Um, very early on in my the mill career getting shown around some of the vacant vacant buildings and pretty much the paper mill was just left they closed it one day everyone yeah. went home everything was just left as it was and i just always remember seeing a big sign saying i think it was uh 200 days since last death um so, so, so you know, it was uh, it was quite, quite a common occurrence yeah. Um, so yeah i just uh, remember though i remember like when i first came in so I started with a company 2017, mm. and I think you started... 2016. 2016, so I remember back then we were up in the top corner, Yeah. and, and you know, when we first started out, so the, the Eden Mill started in 2012, started distilling um, 2014, mm. so, but the rest of this site was, was empty, Yeah. so we were the only people here at that time. And uh, we got shown round because to begin with, when we were moving from there, there was another another site they were looking at on on the campus, and uh, we went through to have a look at, and it was just pigeons everywhere, wasn't it? Know. Like that was pigeons flying through buildings. And um, one thing, talking a true crime, uh, the police actually used to use this site for the the dog training did they oh, right. and also for their firearms so when you see so, kind of police doing drug training and it's in a kind of abandoned industrial yeah, area yeah. This, this this was, was that yeah this yeah, was it so they'd have the yeah. the firearms teams running through doing different different so there, were, there, we there, were, there were there were cardboard cutouts of old yeah, ladies exactly, being pumped I, up I, <laughs> what was quite good is i used to hide in every sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well the thing but, is we must have missed each other uh ewan because I actually, in a very, very distant previous life, I was a forklift training instructor. And in one of the first years of production, I spent probably one of my best weeks in work that I can remember working in the old distillery uh, <laughs> training. That I trained pretty much everybody at the time because what was really interesting about the distillery back then well, they were still producing beer. Yeah. Uh, your gin had, the gin had really started to take off. Yeah. There was a very small visitor centre yeah. at that point, but it was a real all hands to the pump kind of thing. To Definitely. the point where actually, I mean, if we want to look at the romanticised versions of everything was, um, 
I was just more than happy to muck in and try and help at times because yeah. what was happening was if we were doing the training on the forklift, having one forklift and only so many pairs of hands, yeah. the guys would actually say to me, like, we're going to have to stop now because we need to start putting some of the malt into the mash or, yeah. or anything like this. Yeah. And I was like, well, look, if I'm just going to stand around, I might as well give you a hand. And yeah. I was giving them a hand, so I, I like to feel it. But I remember at that point, I'm trying to, I can't remember exactly, but the first round of casks had just been... Up, put up for sale effectively for yeah so yeah first, first cast program yeah it would have been it was well, I, I left they, they that, were quarter casks back then as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. I left that company in 2016 right yeah and I started in 2013 14 yeah, yeah. so somewhere so you're probably talking the early 2015 yeah there um, you go yeah that 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 would have been done I did my training probably late. 2016 yeah. uh, for, the, for the forklift training you'll know you'll know yourself because my job at that time was a storyteller I was the tour guide that's so right. you're like well why the training you on the forklift <laughs> yeah. you'll know yourself that that's the size of the company at that time you just mm. did a bit of yeah. everything yeah. Um, and I had the bad luck that everyone else I think got an easy ride on the forklift training but it was when, when it was my turn the uh, malt delivery just turned up, yeah. so I ended up unloading the unloading the, the full lorry, lorry <laughs> and doing that very narrow uh, dr- run into the old warehouse. Yeah, uh, there where literally there was only enough room for the pallet and the forklift. And there was a real so, tight turn as well. If I remember, yeah. for, and, yeah, I remember yeah. it. Yeah. Well, well, like <laughs> it's a great podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 What I was going to say though, uh, one question I wanted to ask, you started distilling in 2014, you then stopped distilling in 2018, we know you're moving to a new site very close, but is is it a question of volume or? Yeah, Yeah. so we, on the the original site, we only had uh, a 1000 litre pot still. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we, on average, we were filling maybe about a cask a day. Right. Uh, there we have round about 400 maturing casks mm-hmm. um, there slowly declining because we are we now have a really strong portfolio uh, of single malt whiskey that yeah. we are we are releasing and so the challenge for us has always been managing those stocks uh, we have meticulously planned every every drop of ca- of whiskey we have maturing, and how that will be included into future releases, so that we never we're never in a position where we are waiting on new liquid coming mm, from the new yeah. distillery. Uh, the new distillery is planned to be commissioned and uh, producing by summer this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, and like you'll know, three years down the line until we've got mature liquid out of there, mm-hmm. but there's been a lot of planning going into managing those stock levels. But it's yeah. why up to now, uh, all Eden Mill single malt releases have been super, super limited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's only just now that we've started to ramp that up a little bit. Uh, to try and deliver a bit of volume, build brand awareness. We're reaching into international markets now mm-hmm. for single malt. Um, our two signature releases, one exclusively matured in Firstville Bourbon and one finished in Firstville Sherry are about to be released in the US as in uh, next month. Brilliant. Uh, I think, so, I think you touched on it before, mm-hmm. sorry. I think, no, I think you touched on it before 
um, we started and we were having a wee chat about that perception of Eden Mill being a gin distillery yeah, that yeah. sells whiskey to actually flipping that over to mm-hmm. a whiskey distillery that has gin as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the gin, the, the idea with it was always that we would we would phase it out as the whiskey um, started to grow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like you touched on, we, yeah. we stopped distilling in 2018. Yeah. It was never to So was be, that gin as well? Did everything stopped distilling? So, so yeah. our, our gin still still is distilled right. um, at, our, at our head office. Right, right. But, yeah. but whiskey, um, obviously, you'll know that you keep it on the same site. So mm-hmm. um, the, the aim was never to be closed for six years. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you has, know, has the plan changed with the gin then, given you know, how successful it's been and that it's yeah. sold. Is yeah. it, you know, because you said the original plan was that it would be phased out. Yeah. Is, no, is, it, is the case now that if it's selling, we're going to keep producing it's, it? Do you know, the, the, the biggest difference is that we're also going to have our our own gin still. So yeah. completely separate. Obviously, yeah. before we used to have to, or we used the same pot still. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, the big things for us in being on, being on the Eden Mill um, campus for those that aren't aware, um, it's it's a an eco site. Yeah. that's about uh, sustainability. So we have really been part of that, mm-hmm. and the the gin still from the from the get go will um, actually be solely powered. I always struggle to say that. I don't know why. Solely powered. Solely powered by solar panels. Whoa. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit of tongue twister. Eh? Try that after red, five red, red, red lorry, yellow lorry. <laughs> but um, it's so it's. So it's going to only be powered by the the solar panels. Yeah. So it's a big, big part of of us. Okay, um, yeah. But it's about now starting to take that um, that perception and and bring the whiskey in. And well, let's, yeah. well, let's look at. I mean, you you were the storyteller back then and the forklift driver. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we've heard a little bit earlier on about the site, the location, and stuff mm. like that. But what is it? For, what is the Eden Mill story? What what was the purpose or what was the reason? How did it get started originally as a distillery? What's the journey been from the even those days where you were producing craft beer, the gin, the gin taken off, but also the whiskey, and now where we're leading into in terms of a completely new distillery? Yeah, so the end goal was always whiskey. Mm-hmm. It was about yeah. how we got to, to that point. And... Eden Mill was just started by one uh, individual that saw what St Andrews was missing or yeah. what could be added to St Andrews. Now, we all know St Andrews, the home of golf, mm-hmm. the oldest universities in Europe, visitors all year round. And yeah. what it was missing was anything to do with Scottish drinks tourism. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so our original founder, Paul Miller, he had spent, um, many years looking after clients when he was working for Molson Coors in St Andrews and usually they wanted to go visit uh, whiskey distilleries after playing mm. a few rounds of golf and there was just nothing in this area so that's where he had that moment and yeah so he he set out with some financial backing 
to open a whiskey distillery and how that started out life was a small craft brewery mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. the the beer was always a means to an end uh, actually much more successful than i'm sure he ever uh, imagined so for the first two years between 2012 and 2014 we were just making beer yeah, yeah. Um, and we were known as known as eden brewery they then got to a point where they were able to reinvest uh, that money into the distillery still on a very small scale um, there but we were Scotland's first combined brewery and distillery the only place doing it in just under one roof um, on a very very small scale but um, yeah, the the same brew kit we were using to make the make the beer would get used every few days to do a mash. Yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, and then filling like I say about a about a cask a day uh, from those small uh, hoga hoga pot stills, and and yeah, so it, it really just started that very small small scale mm-hmm. um, and building it from there. The gin came along um, and I'm sure the people that were here before would tell you they were marketing geniuses when it came to the gin. <laughs> the fact is they were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, the, the gin industry, no one ever saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, the way that that was going to mm. going to react, there was little differences. Um, people were starting to drink gin in different ways. Hendrix was getting very very popular, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, with the gin, it was when when it did go big. Eden Mill were already there with a really good range of three or four gins. Well, the the first one we started with was our hop gin. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, what what they did was they said, "Look, we've got hops here." Let's try and do it, and it was a Australian Galaxy hops. I remember, I, and yeah, and we, I always called it our, our Marmite gin because people either loved it or hated yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. it was that really kind of sharp bit, a bit of lime bitterness as well, mm. though. But but for me, worked wonders. You know what I'm going to say here. I'm a gin and ginger drinker, yeah. and with ginger ale, it was was tremendous. But mm. that was the literally they made some, and it was Camperdown that they went to mm-hmm. one of the markets and it and it just flew and I that think then it. they thought right we're onto something here but as I said the beginning first steps was always this is a stopgap help help grow the brand change it from Eden Brewery to Eden Mill yeah uh, now a distillery mm-hmm. um, but bringing some cash flow you know yeah. some turnover and then it always was that um, we would we would phase it out as as the whiskey became of age. So well, it's, in, it's interesting because you know you talk about being in the right place at the right time and, and striking it lucky with the gin boom and being there as yeah. it, as it's happening. And then you're, you've also mentioned like Hendrix yeah. gin. Hendrix mm-hmm. for me, I, I, I was kind of blown away when I first realised that Hendrix is owned by William Grant and Sons. Yeah. yeah. And you suddenly realise like yeah, that's that's a whiskey company that also has a gin. Yeah. yeah. Whereas. With the rise of Eden Mill, yeah. and I mean, I remember suddenly, bearing in mind, you know, bit of, not skin in the game as such, but I'd spent this time at the distillery, I was understanding it, and not many people were seeing what Eden Mill was, and within a year or two years, sponsors of Edinburgh Rugby, um, yeah. you've, along the M8 and going into Glasgow, there was these big offices where you saw Eden Mill, Eden Mill signs. Mm. So that was our old head office, yeah. that was it. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm suddenly seeing the brand everywhere. And then the gin, the love gin, um, there was all these different gins that you were getting put out and everywhere you went. And I'm trying to tell people, like when I was speaking to folk going, no, they do whiskey as well. And they're like, oh, the gin folk, Eden Mill gin folk. So when you look at the the Hendrix side, it's the the whiskey company that that has a gin brand. 
Yeah. How hard is it going to be or how hard, what's the challenge where you effectively being the gin brand that also does whiskey? And I think one, just to add to your question, Graham, yeah. I think as well, one of the challenges, we, we, we've seen it as well. I mentioned um, earlier, uh, maybe off camera. I love yeah. Harris. Um, I love Harris. And obviously I love Harris had yeah. the same kind of idea. They started producing gin as they were starting to produce yeah. whiskey and, and the Isle of Harris gin has been phenomenally successful. Um, but they've gone to a different approach where they've kind of separately branded the whiskey, the Hirach, yeah. to Isle of Harris, whereas you've remained Eden Mill whiskey and Eden Mill gin. I, th- I think is I think, that certainly a challenge, or I, I think is, for is me, that like, a benefit. I think I think it's I think it's a a benefit yeah. in the sense of because of how we are seen within the gin market and a a premium gin. I think it's. It's, it's like you say, it, it's people realising it. It's like the distillery as well. So what I would say is with the old site, we would have so many people come in because of the sponsorships, because yep. of hearing us and us getting our name out there. We would have people coming and saying, wow, is this it? Yeah. You know, yeah, because they saw, place, yeah. they saw this big brand mm. and then they were coming to, and they were like, oh, right, wow, this is it. Yeah. Whereas what I would say about what we've got there. It very much fits the the expectation of what yeah. people see Eden Mill as, and I I think this year will be a, a very big year for us with the whiskey because one we've got our core range, so we've now got our our whiskey, and because of that cask management, like you and said, we've got this bourbon and this this sherry um, cask whiskey mm-hmm. that um, liquid on lips. Um, you know, we're we're in America at the moment. We're we're growing massively, yeah. but um, to your to your question of of you know how how does it look? I think I think the big thing for me is um, the distillery coming back and getting the the tourists and well, the back in. That yeah, I, it, it just all fits like a jigsaw really well together. I think I think this year for us yeah. is going to be you know really exciting, and I know working here this long it's it's right. you know something that you know in in Verleith have have now invested in us and that's that's been a massive step as well for um taking us to the to the next level and it's it, it's great to see it all come together isn't it yeah that, yeah i think ju- ju- just to add to that because it's a really good question because um you see what other people have do you got you got brew cladio Brooke, and iola with the botanist yep. um you mentioned harris there as well but we eden mill thrown so much weight behind um eden mill st andrews that mm-hmm. that is the brand and yeah. we're in the lucky place we we are a fairly new new boys on the block uh, the new a new whiskey brand but we're we're already recognised throughout the UK and throughout international markets as a premium spirits yeah. producer yeah. from from St Andrews, which is marketable in itself. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, in a way marketable. that somewhere like the Isle of Harris isn't, because yes. you'll have people in America and they instantly St Andrews. Yeah. They yeah. know where it is. They know what it represents. Mm. They've seen it on the telly. Have you, have you, you ever tried <laughs> making a golf ball shaped bottle? Really premium. Really premium. Have you tried to deliberately avoid that? Because it almost seems like, you know, I wouldn't want to say jumping on the golf bandwagon, but 
it's something you could quite easily tie yourself into as you know endorsements you or know, whatever uh, or is it something I, you want to stay away and say look, I think, look, no because I think it's important to know where you are yeah so like you say about St Andrews mm. everybody knows it now you when you're away and talking and um you know people either know us for golf which yeah. I'm, I'm you know no St Andrews sorry for yeah. golf um they know St Andrews for the uni or William actually another <laughs> another big thing is William and Kate. Oh, yeah. and so everybody has some sort of connection to yeah. it. And yeah. it's it's always surprising no matter where you are, the the amount of people that um will have a connection even personally. Well you know, yeah. somebody went to university here, um it was somewhere as a kid that yeah, they, they came to. So, so I'm a big I'm a big fan of the um Royal Commemorative Bells decanters that they make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've always, have, you, have you thought about that? <laughs> I've, I've always seen you for that as well. Actually, sitting at those dinners, I've thought. Well, there's a nice picture of the Queen Mother on a bell ceramic decanter. If I see that on the auction site, I'm straight. In. I had to put my um, my. my Prince Andrew's Prince Andrew and Fergie wedding anniversary one. I had to chuck that in the bin. <laughs> that got in the bin. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you, know what, you never know what the what the fu- what the future holds, but uh, no, certainly we haven't gone down the route of trying to tap into no. the royal the royal market. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, golf golf is a different story, similar to what Chris said there. You've got to celebrate where you're from. That's yeah. Yeah. that's what we're what we're proud of. The whole idea behind Eden Mill was never to sort of take anything away from what St Andrews already had to offer. Of it was to add to it. Yeah. And it, you know, you're never going to take anything away from the tourism that golf yeah. brings. Yeah. And if we can add something to that, if we can, you know, how many golf tourists throughout the year come to St Andrews, they play a bit of golf and then they head somewhere else. Yeah. And the money yeah. gets spent somewhere else. We're keeping yeah. it in Fife. We're keeping yes. it in the local St Andrews area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Come for the golf, stay for the whiskey. There you go. No, just to give you an idea, when we're talking about the states, a big target market for us mm-hmm. is your is your golf clubs um, over there. The people that are going to come over to St Andrews, play a bit of golf, spend a bit of money, and want to just learn so much more um, about what. Fife and St Andrews has to offer yeah. uh, and that that's what we're here for and are you looking at the I mean the big one in Edinburgh now is the Port Leith Distillery that's yeah. been opened up and one of the things that we've talked about we had Simon yeah. Smith on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago actually and we were talking to him about he 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 was the consultant that was used to curate the right. bar at the rooftop for the yeah. yeah we were and, there recently uh, well, we it, for the tour, it yeah. was fascinating the, the fact that they, they really wanted to celebrate young whiskey he yep. part of his remit was yeah. like most of the whiskey should be under 10 years old but yeah. as a new distillery mm-hmm. should be showcasing yeah. the value in young yeah. whiskey but yeah. one of the things is Port Leith distillery is twofold it's it's number one it's a distillery it's going to be producing spirit and whiskey yeah but number two it's also a tourist attraction for yes. the area of leith yeah will the distillery that eden mill here will that be also a similar sort of way of looking at it absolutely yeah. there's no no accident why the distillery was built this close to st andrews mm-hmm. um visitors are hugely important to 
to any any brand, mm-hmm. uh, any whiskey. You could be making the best whiskey in the world, but if you don't have a good story to tell, yeah. then who cares about it? Um, and that's uh, that's a big part of uh, of that distillery. The distillery itself is actually sort of three um, three units in one, so yeah. split it up into thirds, uh, and one third of that is the visitor centre. Mm-hmm. So not just the not just our, a really great cafe um, and retail space, but uh, great tasting rooms. We're going to have a VIP tasting room on the mm. top floor, mm. uh, similar to what you're saying about Port of Leaf. Yeah. It's yeah. all about that Instagram moment, that view out the window. Um, oh, and we've got this great view over the Eden Estuary, uh, right over to the, the spires and fairways of St Andrews. Brilliant. And it's going to be a fantastic location. And, and that will be, you're talking about the distillery being open for production mm-hmm. sort of this year. Yeah. When are we look? I mean, it's dark outside there, so we can't really see how no, much no. has been built. <laughs> yeah, yet, but. Uh, oh, it's nearly done. No, <laughs> yeah, but they, uh, yeah. So we we're aiming to enter in production um, by late summer this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the visitor centre will be a little behind that. We want to focus on production first, get yes. production up and running, get liquid in cask. Um, the visitor centre we're probably looking at about Q one, so uh, spring uh, twenty twenty five to open, yeah, the, yeah. open the visitor centre. It's not about opening it at a time where the guests are going to be well, here it. to come to it. And I'm not saying that it will. It'll be all year round, but actually that, that influx and, and getting it right. I mean, yeah. what I think is crazy is to be working for a distillery at the stage where, you know, a hundred years from now, it's still, it's not a, it's not a short, mm. short thing. You no. know, it's something that lasts. So I think like you touched on the, the the experimental side from day one freedom mill has always been a, a big part of it and, and bringing people into fife and um what what we're going to be able to offer in there you know lower level it'll be shop cafe um second level so that's on on this side of the yeah. like you said the third of the building tasting rooms but that that top top bar Gives us so many different options because oh, it's right. like a VIP bar, but there's there's endless it's things we can do all levels. As you said, you're a stone's mm. throw away from St Andrews and you look mm. at some of the accommodation facilities, the hospitality areas that you've got in St Andrews, it's, it wouldn't be difficult. I mean, the, even some of the pubs and bars and restaurants and things, yeah. there's just so oh, much completely. out there that you can get yourself into. And I suppose that we, we talked about it with... Um, the Johnny Walker experience opening in Edinburgh. Yep. And we had a few people, we've, we've interviewed a few people who have worked at the Scotch Whiskey Experience. Yeah. And, you know, you, I asked them, is it a worry for a, a tourist attraction like the Scotch, Scotch Whiskey Experience yeah. that another big, like, Diageo can just open up this? And he said, no, because what will happen is if you go into the... Well, it makes Edinburgh a whiskey destination. But yeah. also if you yeah. go into um, the Johnny Walker Experience, enjoy it, and you want a little bit more, then you know that there's a Scotch whiskey experience Completely. just up the road and you can go there. And that that's what it's like with the other distilleries. Like like you touched on, yeah. we were the first in Fife. Mm-hmm. But now you've now got, got, got King's Barnes. Completely. And, well, Daph Mill was here before us, yeah, but on, no, the, on the yeah. experimental side yeah. of the And actually, I don't think Daph Mill are open to the public. No, that's no, it, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's been raised on the podcast, tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm the, I'm a fighter. <laughs> I already know because we get asked this all the time. I'm the fighter of the, of the, on the podcast. Ross Barr is usually on the show. He's, he's an Ayrshireman that grew up in Dunbar. Angus is from that sort of neck of the woods, Edinburgh and East Lothian and stuff like that. The big question is, you know, 
has Fife got it in the bag to become a recognised whiskey region at some point in, in, in Scotland's whiskey future? 100%. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Why not? He's um, going right in there. Does it matter? Does it, does it matter? Um, I don't think it matters hugely. Mm-hmm. That That's what I would say. Does Fife have the ability to, and the distilleries to do so? The answer is yes. Um, if Campbelltown's a region, why can't Fife yeah, be? Yeah. Um, and I think more so than that, Fife's just got so much to offer now. You were talking about Edinburgh there. How often for so many years were people flying into Edinburgh and whiskey tourism was lost to the islands and the highlands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now you can you can spend a bit of time in Edinburgh. You can, you'll can you soon be able to head over to Falkirk and go visit mm-hmm. Rosebank. You can yep. come over to Fife, Kings Barnes, Lindores, uh, ourselves. Uh, yeah, it's just got so much think, to offer uh, now. I think what people always talk about the region side of yeah. it, and it's that mm-hmm. word region that mm. everybody gets gets stuck on. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I would say is it's a whiskey destination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's so it's everybody's so hung up on should it be a region, should it not mm. whether whether it becomes a region or not doesn't matter because what is going to be actually known for is um a, a whiskey destination. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, completely I'm, because you've got you've got mm. all the distilleries you can visit, mm. but you think of the, the cast storage that's opening up oh, as course. well that it's you know it's 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 huge and mm. and the other flip side of that is you've got to actually look at the jobs that are being created in the area that are all associated with um, with mm. spirits. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, you've got Diageo already, so there's it's already been huge, but, but it's, yeah. it's getting well, more recognised. When we talk about um, whiskey regions, and I think yeah. that's changing the way people think. People think about flavour. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this is well, and, well, one other thing yeah. I was going to say um, is not necessarily something I would subscribe to, but some people would say. Well, what characterises a Fife whiskey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, how, how can it be a region when you haven't got some Light sort of floral notes. defining characteristic? Or what, yeah. what is <laughs> yeah. But then that's Lowland, isn't it? Well, so, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's finding out. But I mean, it, and our, our whiskey is going to have a bit of Lowland and a bit of Highland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is where like whiskey people, like when you you know, wind Ross Barr up a little bit on the podcast, if you are listening, Ross. Uh, okay, I hope your trip to America is going well. But, you know, Ross will say, and most people in whiskey will sort of say, like, the region, boxing people into regions is, like, I had a guy, mm. we, I, I was talking to a few guys on Saturday night there who were interested in trans and whiskey, and he says, um, I, only like, I, I, like, I like the West whiskeys, I like Isla whiskeys because I like peated whiskey. Yeah. So I pulled him a Ben Romich, I says, try that. And he tried it. He says, I t- Ben Romach 10. Yeah. Really nice, uh, you know, a Speyside sherried whiskey, but yeah. it's, it's, it's peated, it's got smoke in it. And he was yeah. like, oh, that's bloody lovely, that. I said, that's from, it's from for- uh, Forest, I think. Yeah. It's forest, you know, nowhere yeah. near. But, and I think this is where, where people, yeah, where, yeah, where people get upset about um, whiskey regions being classifications of, you know, you only get peated whiskey from Isla, which yeah. isn't, isn't true. Um you only get sherried whiskies from the the, the space side regions, Glendronach and Dalmores and yeah, all these kind of right. things. But at the same time, we we talk about the differences between the the whiskey tasting and the side of it and the marketing side of it. Yeah. And as you said, is you've talked about a whiskey destination. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But suddenly you do, you know you go to the Chinese market, the Japanese market, the Asian market, the American market, and Fife gets a, its own flag. To plant in the ground to go, we are a whiskey region. Yeah. Suddenly, 
people will, whether it's just a great destination go for whiskey or whether it's yeah. a recognised Scotch whiskey region, it'll make a huge difference in that and in, in bringing people in, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, th- I think to your point um, as well is that what, what does characterise Fife whiskey? Because um, that's the first thing people will ask is, so what's different? What's, a fife with you? what's different uh, between Fife and what we'd usually expect mm. from uh, from the Lowlands? Um, the the fact is, and I'm going to really plant my Fife flag in the, <laughs> in the ground here, is it's where the best barley in the world grows. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, and Eden Mill will be using 100% Fife grown barley yeah. Um, yeah. In, in our new distillery. The stills have been designed in, in such a way that the flavour still really comes through mm-hmm. um, in, in the distillation because we want to hold on to what characterises Fife barley. And yes, you can say, well, that's just lowland, but that's what that's who we are. Yeah. The majority of lowland yeah. whiskey, the barley will be grown in Fife. Yeah. Um, so it's that <coughs> very light, floral, delicate, mm-hmm. delicate aromas uh, coming through uh, in, in the spirit. Um, but... The, the lines are blurred between regions. We're also introducing an influence of the Highlands yeah. because we want to use, we will be using a lot of sherry casks uh, yeah. in our maturation program. Mm-hmm. So we have designed the spirit still in such a way to um, make the spirit a little bit more robust so it mm-hmm. holds up to sherry cask maturation uh, there. So, um, so yeah, it's each distillery is unique. Um, to answer your question, yeah. Fife could absolutely be a region. And we can design our own Glen Cairn glasses that allow us for our extra finger. (laughs) 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 But but, I mean, you you talk about the Fife barley side of it and it's... Mm. You know, people who regularly listen. Angus is already rolling his eyes. He knows. Yeah, like, here we go. And, uh, Graham and Fife Barley. Yeah, well, Chris, Chris has actually got a, 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 a bit of skin in the game with this as well now because he's marrying into the family. Yeah. I should say, Chris is um, yes, marrying my, my cousin. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be a good part of that. My uncle Dave's got his shotgun ready to make sure you get down the aisle. <laughs> but, 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 but the thing is. You know, my cousin, your your fiance, our, our grandparents were barley farmers or farmers in Fife at Whitehill Farm. Yeah, and the no, barley that it. they grew went into the maltings in Kirkcaldy, which was owned by my, my father's parents, my dad, dad's grandfather. So, and one of the things is it was, you know, like he, my grandfather used to say, the best barley in the world is grown in Fife. And you could roll your eyes a little bit and go, well, you're yeah. obviously biased because of that. But at the time, well, you've both said it now, so well, that's, 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 that's a thing that's now. Um, but, but it, it is true. I mean, it, uh, the, the climate is it the is it the soil? What is it that makes barley? And well, there's folk up in Aberdeenshire that will tell you east coast mm. of Scotland yes. produces the best. Yeah, but some of the top farms. There's a farm in outside Kinghorn, um, between Kinghorn and Kirkcaldy, and I can't remember the name of the farm. And uh, for years, it won national and international awards for the barley that they produced. It was a recognised farm yeah, for that. Yeah. And to the point where um, the lady who owned the farm, because her husband died, she, so the, she ran the farm until she was in her 90s, and she kept the same diary 
for seven years. And she scored the days. This is doing five no. She scored the days out of the diary. So it was just the dates. Yeah. So that was it. And sh- she would put all sorts in her diary for every single day of what, what's been going on. But most importantly, the barley, the price she got for the barley, the fertilizer and everything. Mm-hmm. The, so for seven years, wow. the reps would know when they walked through the door, she would pull out this old withered diary, plonk <laughs> it on the table and go, well, let's see what I got on the same time same day, last yeah. year. She said, ah, you're a wee bit cheaper or you're, you're not giving me as much for my barley. But, but I remember um, Jean Cochran was her name. Uh-huh. And uh, a bank, I think it's Bankhead Farm uh, uh-huh. between Kirkcaldy and Kinghorn. I've heard of that, yeah. And it was a, it was a, and even I, I've met people who worked on her farm and every tractor that she had on the farm for all the contractors that she brought in, it had a booklet of exactly the tire pressure required whilst for each field that she would have. <laughs> but, and it, it was that level. Exact she would say, don't, yeah. don't change it. And there's an element of that in whiskey where yeah. we hear the stories about when they've changed or modernised or moved still pots and stuff like that. Mm. And if there's a dent at that side of the still pot, yeah. keep the but, dent but, in But, but this will be yeah. one of the challenges for yourself because... There's going to be Eden Mill pre-2018, yeah. Eden Mill post-2024. Um, and, you know, you, like you said, you've made changes so that it can handle the maturation in cherry casks. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a slightly different character to the two whiskies. Yeah. So is that something, again, you have to kind of reconcile? So it was a hip flask range, if I remember correctly, was one uh-huh, of them. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, starting out as, like I said, a small distillery, we were offered the opportunity that not many distilleries have um, that start off big, was the ability to experiment. Yeah. play yeah. with different mash bills to play with different cast maturation and that's why we're in the such a lucky place that we've got so many different interesting casks maturing you were mentioning there about regionality and flavour um, our current Art of St Andrews 2023 uses a percentage of our peated malt right. in there yeah. so we have a, a peated whiskey from the lowlands there, uh, there. so um, all, all these things are uh, are fantastic just to show that side of experimentation. In terms of the change from uh, pre-2018 to post-2024, mm. um, it has come into our thought process. Yeah. Um, we've been working with uh, whiskey consultants um, in terms of designing the, the distillery. And there, there was discussions about how do we address that. Um, so to answer your question, this... The, the spirit that will come from Eden Mill the new is more of an evolution than yeah. a restart. Yeah. Um, so the stills have, have been designed in such a way to continue what is the key characteristics of what Eden Mill spirit mm. spirit was. Cast maturation programme would be very similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, they, that kind of interaction with the wood will be very similar to what we've achieved previously. Um, there will be subtle differences um but very very subtle and like i said more of a an evolution and almost refining of the eden mill character if you were to combine 
the old whiskey with the new whiskey, would it still be single malt technically, or how does that legally yeah. work? Yeah. Yes. Same uh, site. It's still same site. Yeah. yeah. Still be still being the same site uh, and everything like that. Just different. This it's almost like a, a distillery mm. um, changing their stills. Yeah. 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 And the great the great thing is, like you touched on, um, because we were so small and experimental. Like like you and said, we have so such a variety of, of different casks and it it was I think in the beginning that way of we all know how kinda and, and quite rightly so um whiskey, Scotch whiskey is yeah. and this is what you can do and the, the kind of boundaries are, are quite tight. But what um our distiller really worked with was well what can we do within yeah. that that's different? And so our art of St. Andrew's range that has the, the peated expression, mm. um, that is our art of St. Andrew's we release every year. It's that limited yeah. amount. But mm. the great thing is we have such a variety of casks to choose from for that. We had our cask mastery series so what, that we did. Well, we're looking at cask numbers are sort of, what are you sitting on just now, roughly? I think we're about uh, three, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> um, so we're probably down to about 380, 370 casks. Yes. Right, so even at that, when you're trying to put yeah. out... Um, well, but, but that's that's where, so mm, sorry, that's yeah, that's where on. the core range has been exciting for us because, because they were aware of that, because we knew of the limited, somebody far cleverer than me um, had, had worked out that this is actually the exciting point where yeah. we can release a core range because we know we've got the casks to meet a volume every year. Um, so I always talk about it that, and, and it's it's probably what's made it more of a challenge to, to celebrate that we're doing whiskey as well because we've had to kind of do it back to front in the sense of we didn't start with our core range. Mm. We started with limited edition mm. products which is fantastic and some really you know unique flavors in there um but but we didn't have that that core to get the liquid yeah. on lips so actually again it, it's all the excitement's coming at once because we've we've now got that core product part of our, our key part of portfolio now that um people can can pick up and and try um i always say um Limited editions are, are fantastic, oh, but right. any any distillery will know that a high percentage of that gets put away. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is we've, we've talked about this. I mean, we were actually at the Angus and I were enjoying the Scotch Club members event uh, last week for we Burns Night. Yeah. We were it was we were treated to a, a Macallan tasting um, by Katrina Craig, who'd come down from the Macallan. Uh, distillery to, yeah. to and, and one of the questions which we asked was what does she think the percentage of Macallan whiskey actually gets consumed um, considering <laughs> what did she did she go well, she, she well no her, her, her answer was well quite often when you know we, we do get people and they will spend an awful lot of money on a bottle of whiskey but if they can spend an awful lot of money on one bottle of whiskey, they can usually spend an awful lot of money on two bottles well, of whiskey. Well, this is it. Yeah. And you will get the classic one to keep, one to drink. Because yeah. we, we saw we saw a lot or see a lot of that as well. And, yeah. You know, um, but I think I think what's fantastic is that you see, you know, that's that's a certain person. You yeah. Know, that's that's a certain clientele, yeah. and they like to very much show that they can do that, and that's mm. great. You know, it's brilliant because mm. it's somebody. Uh, believing in your brand and, and buying and, and great but um, our hip flask that you touched on 
Um, the reason behind that in the beginning was to give people the opportunity um, to buy a single malt at a price point where they'd be able to drink it. And yeah. and the big thing was actually about, again, it's that saying that I've picked up from Alex or other ambassador uh, mm. liquid on lips liquid on lips yeah. and it was really really about people enjoying I mean, our different expressions mm. and this brings it so so our core range now the bourbon's 55 pounds yeah the sherry's 65 somebody who's maybe heavy ah, but we're not paying for that yeah no, no, absolutely, <laughs> no, absolutely no, not no, no, you get your wee 5 cl to take away <laughs> These are, the on. These are the perks, but <laughs> from Chris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. What 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 then I'll probably ask is your, your your range today. Yeah. Clearly that's gonna change in the future once yeah. you you know, to use a kind of weird expression, once your new whiskey comes online, yeah. Three years down the line from now. And, and and how does the transition from what we've got sitting in front of us for those that can see us on the camera compare with what's perhaps gonna come down the line five 10, 15, because of course in whiskey you need to make these decisions about what you're going to do in 25 years' yeah. time or when we're no longer well, around. Yeah. yeah, our core or our signature won't change hugely initially. Um, we we have always and will continue in the new distillery to fill to uh, 70% bourbon, 30% sherry. Yeah. Um, and that will allow us to continue with our uh, signature malts, which is our bourbon cask, uh, like I said, matured uh, in bourbon, and then the sherry cask finished in first fill sherry. So yeah. so that will uh, yeah. that will continue for, for a time. We will still look to release interesting single cask uh, releases, yeah. um, do interesting cask finishes, Mm -hmm. as well for example the art of st andrews um is finished in a grande champagne cognac uh, cask um we are looking at other uh other interesting casks that we have sitting maturing currently also got some chocolate malts out there which is quite uh quite rare chocolate malt ah yeah Yeah. so it's been what the malt's been yeah so uh (laughs) i mentioned about being experimental in the beginning and uh it was actually uh charles mclean that was here um and went we were a brewery at that time starting to make whiskey and he was like look at all this interesting malt you've got just play around with it yeah um so we've got some really nice uh chocolate malt um uh, whiskey maturing away so in terms of the malt barley then how's that been how how you what's it is it Talk me through this. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm thinking about Maltesers. Chocolate malt is essentially uh, pale malt that's went through a very heavy roasting. Yeah. Um, So it almost looks like ground coffee um, there. And what it delivers is a very low yield, so not many distilleries will use it. Um, um, But by using just a percentage of it, in in cast so typically you'll be putting about 70 percent pale malt in there um and about 30 percent chocolate malt um you get these almost roasted coffee yeah, uh, okay. aromas yeah. uh, slight and as the name suggests slight dark chocolate yeah, okay. notes yeah. so one of my favorite whiskies that eden mill have ever produced uh was hip flask number 13 there was a lot that's why i had to hesitate yeah. for a minute. <laughs> hip flask number hip flask number 13 which was a single cask uh, release of 
chocolate malt matured in virgin american oak okay that was, was very popular wasn't it was it? like chocolate orange yeah really um it was yeah. it was amazing um so we've still got those interesting ones that won't form part of our core releases no but open us up to be able to release very interesting limited yeah. uh, edition yeah. casts that ethos will continue yeah. uh, in the in the new distillery uh, of continuing our signature range consi- uh, continuing the volume uh, drivers uh, with our single malt releases but also bringing out what we call prestige bottlings yeah uh, so ones that are distillery exclusives encourage people to come to the distillery um see what we're doing and go away with with one of these very limited collectible bottles yeah. it gives it gives people you know it lets people get to know like any distillery our our, our brand our flavor profile yeah. but mm. actually hear something a little different as well and and it's something that they they won't necessarily, or or it'll be rare to find anywhere else doing as well. So yeah. one of the key things when we talk about that continuation is the man behind it all. Yeah. Um, so our head distiller uh, Scott Ferguson. Um, <laughs> Scott Ferguson started as an assistant brewer in 2012. Um, so I think I'll probably put him through a forklift yeah, you, probably, you probably did. Uh, you probably did. So, uh, makes, uh, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah. You probably yeah. put that on the wall. He's actually a graduate from St Andrews University. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has that local connection. He's from Fort William right. uh, originally. Yeah. Um, and he has been really the, the key driver between behind Eden Mill gin and whiskey since yeah. the beginning yeah. and he will be the head of head distiller in the new distillery so yeah. that that whole thinking uh, will will continue through and scott always considers himself very lucky he always says that the reason why he loves <laughs> working at eden mill is because he gets to make whiskey that he would like to drink himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he's not going to a recipe from before. No. Yeah. So, and I, I guess that's an exciting part for being a new distillery is that essentially, it's, with it not being fifty years, hundred years no. old, you're not. You're actually creating something new here, and that's mm. yeah. 100%. Well, it's that, it's that word creating. I mean, like whiskey, it's the drinks industry, but I'm always quite keen to put forward it's also the creative industry in yeah. the sense yeah. that you, the, the, if you get it wrong it's art as Woody said last week last week yeah. we had Woody and Woodrow's in Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> if you get it wrong it's art <laughs> that's very true very but, true but the thing about it is like you know this this person here you're talking about Scott he's worked at the distillery for for a very very long time and has had an input on what's happening and, and the thing is we I was I was actually talking to somebody who worked in a distillery about it last week and I says you know it, it, there's a really nice feeling when you when look Angus and I will by no means whatsoever classify ourselves as experts in the world of whiskey yeah, absolutely which not. is why we always tend to get people who know what they're talking about on the podcast because we just like to <laughs> sit and drink when, when they <laughs> <laughs> this is just a warm up by the way. Tonight, yeah. <laughs> a warm up but the thing is like when you do, uh, you know, look, we, but without trying to sound Billy Big Box or anything like that, but when you do get somebody who maybe likes whiskey but doesn't know much about it or doesn't know what they like, well, maybe knows what they like but they like to try something else, you know, if, if people know, oh, you do a whiskey podcast, you must know what you're talking yeah. about or you, uh, you're always into your whiskeys. Mm. And if someone says to you, what, what do you think I should drink tonight? Or pick me a dram and you go, oh God, because suddenly 
There's a bit of pressure on your shoulders. Yeah, there's pressure. And then you go, right, well, what do you normally drink? Oh, I drink this or drink that. You go, well, try this. You might like it. And you put it down in front of them. And the moment that they go, oh, that's bloody nice, that, or that's really good, you feel great. And you think, I I was part of that sort of process for them. Yeah. But to be the person that makes that even better, to know that you're the... And the thing is, it's, it's, it's the distance and time that it takes before I'm Scott and yourself being part of this early process to when somebody will actually, as to coin your own phrase, the liquid onto the lips moment, yeah. it could be, you know, you don't know. Could be There could be somebody in the future, 15 years from now, yeah, you know, when the Whiskey Stories podcast makes it to Hollywood, yeah, <laughs> when we've got yeah, the Whiskey yeah, Stories yeah. movie, uh, <laughs> but, we play you. the Whiskey oh, Story, <laughs> the Whiskey Story. There you go. Yeah, we'll have to come back to that. But but yeah, someone someone could taste a whiskey in fifteen years' time that someone like Scott and even yourselves have had some sort of footprint on, mm. and that in itself, from a legacy point of view, is is a, is a brilliant thing no, to think about. It's fantastic. I mean, the a key part of my role now with Eden Mill is I manage our private cast portfolio. Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned uh, back in the day in 2015, we, we just started doing some small casks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's part of what we call the, the next chapter, I suppose, of opening Eden Mill's new distillery. We released a limited amount of casks to the public. Mm. So their chance to have their own cask of Eden Mill whiskey um, that will fill in the new, in the new distillery. And for me, I'm, I'm their sort of key point of contact. I'm starting that journey with them now. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will do it for different reasons. We all know about cask investment yep. and it's a kind of yep. buzzword out yeah. there. So some people do it purely for financial reasons. But the customers that I've loved talking to that are doing it for the experience, mm-hmm. their chance to um, buy their own cask that work with Scott come to the distillery every year, catch up with us, mm-hmm. catch up with Scott, find out how their cask is developing. Mm-hmm. And in 10 years' time, they're going to have their own their own whiskey. Yeah. Whatever they decide yeah. to do with that at that point, uh, if they choose to sell it, great. If they choose to bottle it and have their own whiskey in their family, yeah. that, that to me is hugely exciting yeah. for me to start day one with them. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be here in 10 years getting a bottle from their cask. And it clearly is a big part of the, you know, the kind of business strategy of Eden Mill yeah. because on the, on, the we- on the website, there is straight away on, you yeah. know, five or six headers and one of them is Cask
um, the sherry casks themselves will be the same sherry casks we're using for our our own maturation plans uh, coming from a bodega in Jerez called uh, Miguel Martin. Um, so we're offering Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso wow. first full sherry um, wow. and and then the, the first full bourbon. So so yeah, just a really, like you said, a really unique opportunity. There's very few yeah. distilleries out there that you can purchase from direct. Yeah. Um, and it is very much people in the same position that we are in, our formative years. Uh, it's a revenue, revenue driver. Some people will do it as part of their business model. Model, and they will always release casts every year and um, we only plan on doing it for the first few years yeah. um, so it's a limited opportunity to own your own cask uh, from uh, from Eden Mills so, so and it's, it's, a, it's really an, exciting it's, I mean I've, I've, I did that for Lindo's Abbey mm-hmm. um, it was it was a gift from uh, my mum and dad for mm-hmm. my 30th so right. it's coming up for five it's, nice. it's ready to be bottled now right, um, for some eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but, uh, but, um, I got a sticker book or something <laughs> but the thing is uh, again you you automatically get drawn into you're you're then part of the you know they sell you the the story don't you they sell you and say because then you're part of you're a custodian of the of the of the whiskey of the distillery Mm -hmm. it's nice you do get cast manager i'm sure you, you can email your cast manager whenever you can sometimes ask can i come up and see it or can i come up samples often get drawn out of it and you get a treat from that point of view and it's nice but I've also got a we've got a mutual friend I guess Ray who yep. I'm pretty sure invested in a cask when they were doing them on Aaron yeah mm-hmm. and he said that uh, he did it purely out of all the distilleries he picked he said I'll do it in Aaron because I'll get a year's I'll get a, a holiday out of it every year mm-hmm. he said yeah. it's, it's a nice thing to like I'll be able to take the family we'll go every year we'll go to the Isle of Aaron he's got young kids so he's, you know, he's saying for the next three or four years, travelling abroad might be a bit tricky and stuff yeah. like that. But he's, he lives down south yep. and he's from Nairn. Right. And he says so when he's coming back up the road, he said he'll pop in Aaron for, a, for four or five days yeah. and then it's up to Nairn and then it's back down the road to go yeah. home. And that's their family will now be around the Aaron distillery and there, his children. I think he bought one for his son, like he yeah. put it in his son's name sort of yeah. thing. So they're all of a sudden from a... From a sales and marketing point of view, like you've got a, you, there's a there's a two year old right now who will grow up to be an Isle of Arran whiskey fan, yeah, because yeah. they'll be able to say my dad bought me this when yeah. I was a baby. And but, but, but it's like you say, it's like being part of the the journey, and it's something yeah. that we want people to to feel. You know, we did a we did an evening for our private cask owners along at the old course, and it was very much about letting them know where the progress of the distillery yeah. was at because mm. we we don't at the end of the day it's, it's an investment and it's supporting us in getting where we want to and where we will be but actually for that we want them to know where we are and and be part of the excitement around it so yeah. actually this is a stage so we've got a time lapse um camera in there Brilliant. so letting them see where that's up to we've got a time lapse camera so if we stand still long enough uh, you'll maybe get on it <laughs> but uh, but we've got one up on the roof showing the outside as well yeah. so but it's, it's actually a bit about that sometimes them finding out before Joe Public yeah because actually they're part of it and and the reason as I said then I've, I've bought a cask and it's um for me it's you know, you and you've heard tonight how how knowledgeable he is with the whiskey. For me, that's something new. You yeah. know, I've really been the the gin, and uh, what what led me to to come and work with Eden Mill 
Um, you and I have known each other 18 years now. Too long. Uh, too long, absolutely. So ourselves, <laughs> yeah. Um, you and being a good, what, 10 years older than nah. me. Camera doesn't lie. No, but we have, and, and you was working here, and, you know, I, I wanted to come along, and it, it was the the story yeah. that I bought into, the history. Yeah. The, and, and from there, you know, we talked about off-camera. I know there's a bit we're going to do later on. And, yeah. Um, to me, whiskey at that stage, it was something that I wasn't interested yeah, in. And um, my uncle always says about olives uh-huh. that keep keep trying them because eventually you'll like them. Well, yeah. I always liked and, olives. So. Uh, see, I can't, I, I've kept trying them and I still don't like them. Um, so I think he's lying. But um, but with the the whiskey, you know. What, what's amazing working in a distillery and probably again this size even more so is you'd have Scott coming up to you and he'd be like try try this and it's the same at the office at the moment yeah. try this tell me what you get from it Aye, and that it's, sounds like it's a great that, place to work great, oh, right? yeah. do you know but better than going into the office every day maybe any forklift training yeah, exactly, <laughs> but, it, but it's fascinating because my everybody's palate is different then yeah. I'm one of these people that I'm like, I try it and I'm like, what is that that I'm getting? Yeah, and it yeah, annoys yeah, me yeah, because yeah. I'm like, I'm getting something here, mm. but I don't know what it is. Quite and then, on it, and yeah. then Scott will be like, he's, Scott's fascinating for me. I think when you get him talking about it, his passion, like yeah. his raw passion, eh? Yeah. Is, and, and that's that, you can't break oh, that. No, that you idea. can't. And, and he'll, he'll, you know, he, he's, he, he's fantastic at just how he describes things and, and he'll say, Right, well, you might get this, you should get this. And I'm like, wow, yeah. You know, the sherry one, which will let you try, the raisins and dates. I, I get sticky toffee pudding on the right. nose. And it's it's just, it's it's that, that's the bit that, that fascinates me. So so what I love about my job is I, I love the, the story. I love right. telling people about Eden Mill, getting them a buy-in. And you're the same with the cast. We have, people are coming on a journey with Eden right, Mill. Of course. And it's, it's fascinating because it's, it's 10 years minimum. Oh, you you know, they like, might pull yeah. out at seven, but mm. they will become ambassadors as well of, of Eden Mill because they'll, mm. they'll, they'll love it. And that, that all started at the, the beginning in, in very small scale. And there's, there's so, something nice about, mm. like, a, it was a terrible, terrible flex um, I did, but it, you can't help it sometimes because there's a puff your chest out moment was yeah. it was at the during the Spirit Speyside Festival we were up and it was the Saturday the, the sort of Friday night Kayleigh had happened it was a Saturday and we were in Aberlour and we stopped into the Aberlour whiskey shop yeah. and um, there was a guy there I think all week they'd been putting people in there to sort of showcase their brand ambassador yeah. and stuff like that and there was a I think there were an American couple that were up on holiday and he was talking them through it talking them through it and yeah, I was just sort of having a wee look around, but it was Lindor's Abbey that was in there, and I was, I was sort of looking around the different whiskies and stuff like that, and I could hear the guy talking about their casks and what they do and stuff. And I was walking past, he was like, have you have you, have you ever tried a, a Lindor's Abbey? I was like, tried it? I've got a bloody cask of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the guy was like, oh, really? And I was like, yes, I do. And the American's like, oh, wow. And there was an element. I could like, never imagine you being I'm like usually that. usually quite shy. Sure. Just die, yeah. <laughs> no, I, but there is an element of like pride, like when, when you're oh, when you're around other whiskey drinkers, and you're like, Do you like that? Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah. Got a casket, mate. And yeah. there's an element of wow, that's you know that's up there, and and yeah. I think there's an element of sales. Now, one thing I do want to talk very quickly is, you, as well as your single malts that you've got, you do have a, a blended whiskey out as well in your range. Yeah. 
which we can see over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So, so for the camera, so just this, in case. Yeah, this is the guard bridge. So right. we, we've talked a lot about you know the limited amount of casks we've got mm-hmm. um, to establish Eden Mill um, as as a whiskey brand to start that conversation with uh, a lot of a lot of our customers. Um, we wanted to do a, a blended malt, so this does. A couple of things for us. One of the main things, it's something that we can deliver to to our customers in volume. Yeah. Um, so, rather than just do a blended malt that really had no attachment to um, Eden Mill, we wanted to put our own stamp. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it. it's quite unique in that it brands itself as a blend of Lowland and Highland malts, yeah. including including Eden yeah. Mill. Yeah. You won't find many blends that will put that on no, the label yeah no and we were very keen that people people knew that our li- very limited single malt uh, is in this it's something that we're proud of uh, mm-hmm. as well so scott uh, has been working meticulously on this also calling it the guard bridge mm-hmm. which is if it was daylight you would see the old the old bridge over to st andrews and um, which was the guard bridge mm-hmm. where they used to control the influx of pilgrims so, second uh, most to, famous bridge in st andrews where's the smoking coming but even even the label itself it yeah. shows you the river eden when it flows through fife and then there's a little gold dot just above the g and that's where our new distillery is so, ah, that's so, very good. So, yeah, so it's a blend of um, lowland and highland malts that we have married in virgin American oak um, and then actually finished in ex Eden Mill uh, single malt casks, ah, ex cool. sherry casks. Mm, yeah, uh, there. So, again, it's, it's, it's a great one. I know we're talking off camera, but uh, talking about things like monkey shoulder, yeah. uh, encouraging people to, and educating people to enjoy mm. whiskey in different ways. And to enjoy blends as well i mean yeah. I, I'm, I'm i'm you know of all the whiskey i'm incredibly interested to try that We're big fans of uh, yeah, the blended whiskey we, we always uh, like to you know talk up blends yeah it's, it's interesting because uh, scott mm. our distiller is a, a massive fan of blends yeah because he he, he sees it as it's 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 an art because you're taking yeah. different in this case different single molds you're creating something entirely new yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What he really worked at with this one was getting it as close as possible to an expression of the single malts he sees us releasing in the future. Right, yeah, so it gives so he's, yeah. so he's wanting so to... So there's a transition there. Yeah, give people in that. Yeah, like you talked about, yeah. transition. Oh, yeah. um, so mm-hmm. this is an insight to what down the line. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And I think it's going, going up. We've talked and talked about mm-hmm. this on the podcast before. We had Woody on mm-hmm. last week with Greg Urquhart, who is... Uh, so spirits yeah, manager, Glenmore yeah. Spirits and stuff. Yeah. And he, he mentions on the podcast, like blending, you know, they're making their whiskey roll blend. He says, you're, you're creating a flavour. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you show me, you get a lot of people, whiskey drinkers, people who will classify themselves as seasoned whiskey drinkers. Mm-hmm. And when you mention the B word, the blend, they're like, Ugh, no, no chance. But then you say, right, I'll tell you what I'll do, is put you in a sample room, right, where yeah. you've got, a line of little sample bottles ranging from uh, really, really light, um, you know, American oak stuff all the way up to deep sherry stuff and then go down the line and each line you go down, it's maybe slightly smokier or peatier and stuff like that and you go, let's let's play around, give them a glass, pour a bit of that and pour a bit of that and pour a bit of that and, and see, see how that tastes. Yeah. 
no whiskey drinker is going to turn that opportunity down because they no. get to create a flavour profile that yeah. they like and that is blending whiskey at the end of the day mm. well that's it um, I think there's certain experiences that I've had in my whiskey journey that have kind of inspired and motivated me and, and one was being a compass box tasting yeah, um, yeah. and the way the way they described described that and obviously they're promoting blended blended whiskies but imagine making a chef making a meal with one ingredient or imagine giving them six Um, and that's what you can achieve with a good blended malt Um, you get to pick some of the some of the best whiskey around and create a new whiskey using Mm. those components Um, and and that's what I've always thought about um, good blended whiskey is is they have they've really put together something do you think we'll ever get a five blend well you say this I TM so I'll do my mayor of Fife uh, thing again I've talked at length about this uh, to uh, many different people within the Fife whiskey community um, I've talked to Scott our head distiller about it I was like we should do a five blend. Yeah, uh, we yeah. should get everyone I think involved. I thought about it first, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what would you call a five blend? Five blend. Five blend. Uh, five blend. <laughs> the, yeah, kingdom. Um, the kingdom. But I think you could do you could do something really really special as as maybe a, a, a one off uh, five blended malt. Um, every the, um, we talked about it, the different distilleries around Fife. Everyone is unique. But you can yeah. you can do blended malt, but you also don't forget you've got Cameron Brig as well. Yep. Where you suddenly look and you can say you know you've got all the you've got yeah. all the core ingredients. All to make. the raw ingredients. Yeah. 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 You know you've got five or six really you know five or six producing distilleries. You've yeah. got And and you've got a, a, a grain distillery there where. Yeah. And you can and, and and the history of each one. Yeah. Tells another story, story of it. Yeah. You have to look it, it it does. So um so yeah we'll we'll get on that don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey stories five blind. I think uh, I think back to well, that. Sorry, uh, no, no. I was going to say with your Lindor's Abbey cask, you're practically oh, halfway to your own group. Uh, <laughs> I'm not forking out five grand for one. I've got my one. So oh, I know, you go, there you go. Like there you family go. thing. Family yeah, five yeah, blend. Exactly. Keep, that's what we'll call it. I mean, yeah. and it would sort of match all the stereotypes as keeping it in the family blend. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, uh, I just point out Claudine doesn't know I've got a cask. So right, well, we can just... Uh, <laughs> no, she does. That's fine. She the bank account. I was going to say, I've known Claudine when you were talking about the chocolate Malt heavy roastings, you've probably had a few of them when you've gone over. She's never uh, going to hear this. How did it go? Oh, great, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, that's all grim. Uh, right, so, so we so back, back to. Yeah, my taster here. He, he's yes. been looking well, at this. I was just going to quickly say before that, you know, we talked about that transition between gin and whiskey yeah. and it becoming this, this for me plays a big part in it. Mm. Because actually, it does. We we've got probably a younger generation, yeah. but what what it does is it gives that um, different experiences in the sense of somebody will try it neat. Yeah. But it's a it's a cocktail. This is a back bar for us. Yeah. This is for creating cocktails, different things, or back to my that with ginger ale is, no, is mean, tremendous. Hot toddy, you know. We've talked about it, and there's a lot of people we've said, you know. We're talking about the perception of what blended whiskey, but also how whiskey should be tasted and drank. Yeah, you know, there's a lot out there. We were we were actually one of the lost episodes that we had uh, with um, Whiskey Live. Um, she was talking about 
we were asking what are the sort of trends that we see 2024 yeah being. and one of the things that she said was like whiskey cocktails cocktail market is going to be big because yeah. i think more and more whiskey brands and distilleries are jumping on the process i only have to smell this as i've got the car so <laughs> angus can have a second one i'm taking you in home as well that's it <laughs> but it smells lovely ah, but, the, yeah. but whiskey whiskey um cocktails and i think if brands are getting involved in that because they're realizing that there's a whole market out there of, of what a whiskey drinker can look like now yeah. instead of being the old bearded man where i say as all of us sit with beers <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know the, sitting in front of the fire drinking your whiskey neat it, it's not a stereotype well, that we want to have no, anymore and it, it's funny thing was when i used to you know and, and still do go out to the whiskey shows um, but when we had our first, our 2018, three-year-old, you'd get people coming up and, like you say, the perception, the old beard demand. Yeah. And he'd try our three-year-old, oh, this is fantastic. Oh, this is really good. Not everybody said that. It's like every whiskey, people has their own, but there'd be some people that, oh, this is this is great. Um, oh, see, it's not got a, an age statement on it. How old is it? Oh, it's actually, it's, it's three years old. Right. Um, mm. ah, yeah, I'm getting the maturity through now. I'm getting there. <laughs> yes. And it was like, just just like it for what it is. Correct. And I think that's where a lot of whiskies do. People can look up when Eden Mill was, you know, opened, can look up when Lindor's, King's Barnes, but in, enjoy it for what it well, is. flavours first, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, completely but, get away from that age statement. Yeah. Age statement does at times absolutely play a big part in it, but... Mm. If you enjoy the drink that's in your hand, enjoy it. Um, if if somebody then, and like you say, a shelf, you could probably put a 25-year-old from, from one to 25-year-old, 10-year-old. Would somebody be able to put them in order? Oh, Absolutely not. No. I mean, uh, talking about the like again the types of people that are drinking whiskey is last week, last, last week after we finished recording the, yeah. the podcast with Woody and Megan, and you know you're talking about there was four of us there under 40 yeah probably under 35 in fact i think we all were yeah. under 35 and at the table next to us there was a group of old boys you know and they were all sitting there and they had the half pints of heavy and they had their whiskey drams in front of them and they were talking about whiskey and they were we were talking about whiskey as well yeah but i was like with the greatest respect in the world like you would look at these these eight people four old boys sitting drinking whiskey yeah. and four younger people and a female I should say not that there's anything wrong with that but from a perceptive point of view yeah. and you were to ask a group of sort of lay people and say who are the whiskey because technically speaking there were two whiskey experts in the room yeah. there's a guy Woody of Woodrose and his and his partner who are creating bottles of whiskey yeah. and then you've got four guys who just I like what I like yeah. sort of thing mm. and it, it, it just is interesting if you were to look at that from that up from looking above and say there's four people under 35 and there's four people probably over yeah. 60 which do you think are the big whiskey drinkers and the big whiskey fans and, and most people would say it'll be the old boys but actually there is a there is a and I think it's like the almost the geekiness yeah of whiskey now it's like the craft ale scene the craft yeah. ale movement yeah and i think with social media podcasting blogs all youtube videos all these kind of things it gives a generation probably a lot more a, a, a lot earlier entry into yeah. the world of whiskey and we're seeing now distilleries and brands matching that by coming up with things like this is a whiskey that's not just for sitting drinking that's neat yeah. it's for putting it up and stuff. Anyway, Angus, have you tasted it? I have tasted oh, it. He's, uh, uh, he's uh, like, I wasn't waiting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't waiting at all. You know he's I mean? like, he's on one again. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a kebab down the road on the way home. 
but yeah, no, this is so this, this is, is the bourbon. Uh, bourbon. Yeah, yeah so, um, so this is our so. bourbon um, one. So it's probably the uh, best best thing we'll to showcase. Eden Mills character with mm. no influence of, of sherry in there. It's pale malt, mm. exclusively matured in, in first filled bourbon. Uh, youngest casks in there about six years old. Um, mm. The oldest might be in about seven and a half. It's, uh, a, it's a purest representation of Eden Mill from 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 still yeah. into bourbon. And is that 40, 46%? 46%. 46%. Yeah, taken down to, yeah. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, you're you're picking up all those t- typical sweet vanilla notes. That's those. very nice. Yeah. Um, but there's all this. I always go like candied orange. Yeah. Coming through, uh, and then on on the palate, it's um, it's like toffee uh, or fudge for me. It's really nice. Yeah. I won't say where I was, but I was um, talking somebody through this um, potential new customer, and I said, "Would you like to try some?" He said, yeah, and he took the bottle off me, my sample bottle, took the bottle off me, and I thought he was going to get a glass to fill <laughs> Straight out the bottle. Straight, 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 straight out the bottle. I was like, oh, there we go. Goodness me. Like not how I ever imagined our uh, whiskey bottle being dry, but there you go. That's yeah. a lovely, that's a lovely. Well, apart, yeah. Enjoy it any way you like, that's what yeah. they say. <laughs> but apart from uh, one of our Hit Flask series, for, mm. for those people that don't know, we have mentioned Hit Flask series yeah. a few yeah. times, when we started out uh, releasing very limited uh, 70 CL bottles of our single malt, yep. we also released a series of uh, 20 CL. Mm-hmm. Uh, little bottles mm-hmm. looked like a bottle of Chanel number no. five, yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. very distinctive. I yeah, think that's yeah. probably my, the, the the first, you know, my first impression of Eden Mill was probably, yeah. it was great. Hip flash, yeah. Those little hip, hip flash, flash bottles because yeah. we did, you know, you, I did see them around. They were quite pricey. Like Sixteen, we went up to. Uh, we went up to uh, 17, 17, 17 oh, releases. Um, I mean, I still say we should have done number eighteen just to say that's it now old enough to drink. Yeah, the golf course. Or, or yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. we kind of stopped short at seventeen, and it was replaced by the more grown-up version, being our cask mastery range. They were basically expressions of single cask releases that we wanted to showcase to um, to our audience so that they would try it. And it's interesting you say a lot of my customers now, a lot of people I speak to, their first experience of Eden Mill Whiskey was the Hip Flask yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, something we're asked a lot is, why haven't we continued that? Where are the Hip Flasks? But it, yeah. goes, but it goes back to that limited stock. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you've got to... <laughs> you've got to spend it wisely. It's like your pocket money. Well, no, you know, you, you've got well, a limited amount and you, you, you have to spend it wisely and... Had had we continued with that program, would we be sitting here with no. two core core bottles today? No, because we'd have invested it in another yeah. another and line. I, and I, yeah. you know, people want to see a seventy CL at the end of, of the day, and don't I, they? I suppose it's it's just one of these things. It's part of the journey. And in years Completely. time, people will say, "Oh, I thought I could buy a, a cast directly off you." And yeah, you know, they'll yeah. find that that no longer may be the case. Yeah, come and and, um, and that's it. And it's these these different opportunities people can can have and mm. i think the the cask program is a massive massive mm-hmm. bit and mm. and it, it does it it lets them have a personal connection with us but with yeah us. like every release up to now we have um introduced uh, sherry casks we've introduced different cask finishes but scott just really wanted just to showcase this is where our whiskey is uh six seven years old uh in bourbon um 
and I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and that that was Scott's yeah. words. Uh, very nice. Um, and so I think, yeah, it was really important for us to be at that point where we wanted to showcase uh, Eden Mill whiskey in its purest form. Yeah. Of course, no. Well, while we are uh, sipping on these, or whilst you guys are sipping mm-hmm. on your drums, oh, sorry, really. um, we're, we're go, we'll go to our regular feature, the What Three Drams feature. Yeah. Now, what we'll do is we'll go one for one each time okay okay so the idea is any whiskey of any range any price whatever it is as long as there's a decent story beside it now we do give people the opportunity to go on brand if they want to go on brand <laughs> but what we do say is don't do all three on brand don't be like have we had anyone go all three on brand before no i oh, i don't know if we might have I don't think we did. Yeah. Jan Damon was pretty close. With well, I'm off the clock, yeah. so I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, we'll go with yourself first. First dram, then, of the what three I drams? Think, I think, like I talked about, you know, whiskey's completely new to me, or not completely new. It's it's much newer in my kind of drinking drinking cabinet. I think mm. uh, I think the the first one I would have to go and it is something that you made me remember before yep. was uh, the famous grouse and do 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 have you got to do that do, every time yes yeah. every time that's right. mentioned yeah the famous uh, grouse <laughs> 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 just the rest of the night yeah. um, the reason the reason I go with that is um, I remember pff, I must have been about five six maybe seven yeah and uh you always have that um you always have that thing of seeing seeing drink and knowing it's a big big person's drink uh-huh. and um i remember um for younger than that me and my my pal lummy uh, Craig, one of our best men, you'll meet him. Uh, current police officer. Current police officer, <laughs> yeah, so can't say too much. Former footballer. Uh, no, no, no. no. Dunfermline, eh? Yeah, uh, he it? was East Fife East and Fife. Dunfermline. Oh, so, okay. well, anyway. outside the other side. Wait, he's wait, like, wait. Ah, he's like, cut it there, then. Uh, cut it. Um, so he, uh, but him and I, yeah, kind of a couple of years before that, there used to be a basket that sat at the top of our stairs at right. my mum and dad's. And, um, we used to sip on ginger beer and ginger ale that was left in this wee red red basket and we used to sit and and sip away at that thinking we were big and tough because we were drinking beer Um, because it had beer in it we genuinely thought we were drinking that but um so that went down well so i thought oh big man and then i remember seeing uh famous grouse in the actual drinks cabinet go for the big stuff uh, yeah thought i'd take a swig of that and wow (laughs) Um, i reckon i was like i must have been i think six will go and i just remember thinking uh absolutely no it's probably why it took me to the age of 36 to start drinking (laughs) but um, but no so that was that was my first experience and uh first ever whiskey and it that you know that that burn that you get oh, that, yeah, in, a, in a six-year-old's throat it was uh, and and we're not talking we're not talking just a wee swally uh, we're a talking a, a big a big gulp oh, like it was apple juice so, yeah, so that was go. the the first for me right but i take it it didn't stay down <laughs> that gulp or it, it stayed down but there were probably tears uh, i think i remember <laughs> tears and, and, a, and a 
flag. I think it was probably the thought of why do adults do this? Uh, well, that's <laughs> it. Why do they do this? To I think them, it was so. always like at that, like your at grand and granddad's and house and stuff, parties, Christmases, New Year's, and you'd see grand and granddad with a whiskey, and usually it was yeah. a famous grouse as well. And I think there would always be a bit like, oh, for a bit of fun, let's because yeah. the, 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 you just. At that age, that flavour, oh, that, that just, you just uh, yeah, that you drink responsibly and don't feed children alcohol. I should say, <laughs> whilst, whilst we don't yeah. do, we for, don't for, for, for me, my, my my story about that is uh, trying Granny's sherry trifle um, oh. when I was about three years old, and I went ooh <laughs> after the first spoonful. Oh, uh, that was that you. was that was always you know the the, the, the heavy That's the noise he makes if he tastes a good dram. Isn't yes, it? Uh, Right, Ewan. Um, for me, yeah, similar to growing up, probably I always thought all whiskey um, was smoky as hell yeah. because all that was ever really in my dad's cupboard was Laphroaig. Mm-hmm. Um And I just assumed for years that that's all whiskey tasted like. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, that is horrendous. Why <laughs> would anyone choose to uh, to drink to drink that? And... The reason this story is quite important is it just shows how much your palate changes mm-hmm. uh, as you as you grow a little bit older because yeah. that kind of style of whiskey I I would think I would never never touch um, and now I would say my favourite whiskey is Lagavulin sixteen Lagavulin yeah. um, it's for me when I, I first tasted it actually um, not long after I'd started this job uh, the Scotch whiskey experience. Um, and that was my first my first try of it. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna like this. Even the smell of it, I thought, mm. Mm, not 100 percent sure. But I tasted it, and I was like, oh, well, I really enjoy that. And then I think yeah. I went back to the nose of it. And for me, when I'm drinking a spirit or or anything, it's about what it whips up and nostalgia um, in me. And all of a sudden, there was this nostalgia of this whiskey that I used to hate, yeah. but also I started thinking of kind of coastal campfires and, and things like that, having a little fire on the beach, you know, that's kind of saltiness to yeah. it and uh, a little bit of smoke. And all of a sudden, this was my favourite whiskey. And, mm. uh, and now it's, you know, I keep going back. I have my limits. Um, uh, there's a level of smoke I can't go past, but but certainly Lagavulin, Lagavulin 16. 16. Two it's weeks in a row. Yeah, and, and really? well, and, and and this goes back to one of mine as well because I, I I tried when I was about eighteen about I tried a nip of uh, Ardbeg and I just <laughs> had it in my head I didn't like Ardbeg. Yeah, um, yeah. So actually, when I, I went to Isla about three or four years ago. And I bought a bottle of Ardbeg because we visited the distillery and it was the first one I opened because I didn't really like Ardbeg because I had it in my head. I didn't oh, you like you'd finish that one first? It was absolutely yeah. lovely. Yeah. So it to- totally, again, that's... And sometimes even just the, position, the place that you're totally in at the time when you're yeah. drinking it as well can make a totally, huge difference. Totally yeah. changed. Chris? I think uh, my next one, and it's a bit about like what Ewan said there, story-wise. So um, my next one would be a Tobermory. Um, mm-hmm. reason reason with that is actually part of its flavour but the main, main reason is actually family history mm-hmm. oh. so my um, my gran uh, Gigi who uh, was one of my best friends she she was born up there right and um, her dad worked in the Tobermory distillery Aye. Um, but when you think of Tobermory if, if you've heard of it before it's the red yellow and blue 
blue houses and yep. Yep. my my gran lived in the blue ones <laughs> in the flat really so yeah so i used to go up for um for holidays with her because it was my great granny still lived there yeah. and um i used to sit and look out the window and it's that when you're when you're drinking it, it's that thinking of, of that. So, you know, I used to wait. It sounds terrible now, but I used to wait for the lifeboat to go out. Yeah. Now being a bit older, no, I was thinking, it's, it's thinking you were actually waiting for somebody to be in a lot of trouble uh, that a lifeboat had to go <laughs> out the and rescue them. And, yeah. that, uh, wow. and, then, and, then, and then, you know, in the background, one of the, the main visual points from there was the distillery. And, yeah. and I remember going round it uh, maybe about 13, 14 with the, the parents and um, not, it's funny as a kid, cause you don't, you don't think about that history that's there, the, the people have been there. So my great granddad, you know, yeah. he, um, he used to, so he used to go in and how he ended up getting a job was one of the guys was off and he just, he just, did the tour and he knew how to run the stills because his friend worked there so he actually ran the stills one day before he even worked there so he just did it <laughs> because <laughs> because he, he just used to go in and talk to his pal at night and that's proper island life oh, for me wow. in that yeah, way yeah. of like he just he just knew oh i can do that yeah I've don't worry him doing it so I can yeah, do that, yeah and it was and it is that so for for me it's more than than taste with that one it's very nice it's the it's the and i think that's what you touched on it there whiskey takes people on a journey 100 percent. um and i think that's we've talked about art we've talked about that it's not it's not just a drink is no. it you know so it's memories well that's so exactly that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the memories that, well the, you know the stories that you do get behind it and some of the stories that we've had through the what three drams have been great yeah you know we've yeah. had people that have enjoyed them for certain reasons or you know, or for no reason, really. Well, that's it. Yeah. And that, well, Fraser Soon has talked about the time he tried a a, a fifty year old uh, Tam Do straight from the cask, yeah. and it was rotten. <laughs> and the reason yeah. it sticks in his memory was it was the, the the person that was taking them around the tour said, "This is an example of what an overcooked cask can taste like." Uh, uh, and when you think about it, trying a fifty year old whiskey of any sort. Yeah. yeah, would be a dream come true for a lot of people. It was but the way he did it as well. He said, "Yeah, Here, here's the fifty-year-old Tam Do. I want you all to try it." And everyone tried it, and they were kind of glum. Kind nobody of wants to be the first. Nobody, nobody, wants, to nobody wants to be yeah. the first. He said, "Well, what do you think of it?" And everyone was kind of looking at their feet, and he goes, "It was horrible, wasn't it?" Rank. He goes, "I <laughs> actually, I didn't really." But, like that's, that but that's that age thing we that, were yeah. talking about again of yeah, yeah. A, a five-year-old versus that fifty-year-old. Yeah. Everybody, everybody would say, you know, everybody if they're told the age, there's so many people that oh. would say, "Oh, the fifty-year-old." Emperor's new clothes attached to it, isn't it? Yeah. It's basically a case of if everyone went, "Oh, this is lovely," everyone would say, "It's lovely." Yeah. Right, you in dram number two, please. Dram number two. Do you know I? Talked about um, falling in love with with peated whiskey uh, mm. with Lagavulin sixteen, but um, probably good to go back to the start uh, of of my journey. And of course, I'd I'd tried things like Grouse Bells, uh, White and Mackay over mm. the years, um, but the the first whiskey that properly got me into whiskey was uh, Balvenie Caribbean Cask. Oh, right. um, now. For me, starting to learn about whiskey, uh, what didn't come until I started working 
for for Eden Mill. And you, you you may have guessed from what I was saying earlier, what I fall in love with with whiskey is the stories uh, yeah. stories around it. But I still really had to almost train my palate to to enjoy whiskey because yeah. at that time it was something that wasn't really too into. Uh, I, I did like like a gin. I liked my rums. Um, uh, I drank I drank bourbon, but mostly mixed with coke. Um, so it was really I wanted to get into whiskey. So it was finding the right one. What we've talked yeah. about is trying different things and finding the right one. Uh, and for me, this one, you know, typical the typical notes of of, of a spiced rum in there, of mm. a golden rum, but just this this sweetness that I was like that doesn't taste like other whiskies that yeah. I've yeah. that I've drank. Um and it was the first time that I honestly I sat down and enjoyed I could drink one after another, probably too many too many <laughs> of them. But it was the first whiskey I genuinely enjoyed. Yeah. Um and so for me that will always remain a, a special whiskey for yeah. me. Brilliant. That's a third time that's featured on the podcast. However, the last two were the, the lost episodes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, no. so technically the first time anyone else has heard this. Um, right, there you go. Chris, for third and final one. I'm going to go for one of ours. Oh, for the, uh, well, I have to it's in the Chris. sense of, I think, I think, like I've said, from a, from a learning point of view and, and, Realizing that I, I do like whiskey. Yeah, sounds terrible working for a distillery, but you know you you land in a you land in a job and then you you start to go with it. And you think, yeah, I enjoy it because of this. But do you think you'll ever have an olive grove in Greece somewhere? Or? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's on the cards. Uh, just just need to look at um, the investment needed. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I think. For me, it's uh, and it, and it isn't a plug, but available now in all stores at um, sixty five pounds RRP. Um, <laughs> is our uh, is our new new sherry, and um, the reason I'm choosing it is because what I've realised is it's a a sherry sherry cask that all are also PX that I actually really like. Yeah. Um, mm. Even uh, to be honest, even going to a peated sherry as well. Um, I always say now when I'm talking about it. Hand me a Mars bar and a packet of crisps. I'll eat the Mars bar first. Yeah. Uh, very telling. Um, <laughs> so, so Claudine will say. Um, but, um, but it is, I like the sweetness. Um, for me, this one, the, the raisins, the dates, yeah. you know, the the sticky toffee pudding over uh, over the nose. Like, I, I can't get away from, and it's maybe a good time to try it, but I um, I can't get away from that, those, those sweet notes and then... The the kind of bit of spice dip, but the way it the way it holds um, there you go the way it holds the the palate as well. Yeah. It's not got that. I think everybody thinks like we talked about whiskey. Everybody thinks, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that that burn at the back of the throat. Yeah. This is actually a whiskey that you don't get that yeah, with. Smoothness. So some people that that don't like that sharpness, that kick. Actually, this one. Um, do you want me to hold it for you so you can get a wee drink? You want a, a wee drama? Uh, no, no, you're okay. Yeah. If Ross Barr was here, I mean, I've been rather unfairly <laughs> labelled the sherry tart of the um, it, yeah. of, of the podcast because oh. I do like a sherry flavour. For, well. for me, it's that that sweetness. But like I say, with this one, the raisins, the dates, the bit of fudge, tiny bit of tiny bit of citrus there as well. Um, it's um, it's good. So there you go. 
Right, well, Ewan's pouring his now. Um, I was just getting like, oh, yeah, getting loads of those of that, thank you. Should just give me the bottle on the way home. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll sort you out with some yeah, of yeah. the wee. That's a baseball cap as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, there's actually there's a cricket cap up there, you can yeah, have that yeah, if you want. <laughs> but right, Ewan, on to your third. Now, now you can go on brand if you like, but Chris has done your job for you. He's taking that one, yeah, exactly. He's taking that one. Joe, I'm going to go uh, Glenfiddich 12. Um, and the reason I'll go for that is from the age of about 17, 18, every year, uh, go first foot my granny yeah. uh, on, on New Year's Day. Now, she would always keep a bottle of Glenfiddich 12 mm-hmm. in one of those real old-fashioned... So she had a big TV unit with all the cabinets yeah. and the drawers, the little drop-down... Uh, thing with the with the old tenant's beer mat, uh, <laughs> beer towel on it, and that was where our bottles were. Uh, and she always had a bottle of Glenfiddich Twelve. She she didn't drink whiskey, so had no idea how whiskey should be poured or or served. So but eliminated uh, no, uh, that would have been fine. Um, yeah. But she she would come in and she would have to hand you, and this would be bear in mind, sort of late morning. Um, <laughs> A big just tumbler filled up with, with Glenfiddich 12, <laughs> and you would expect it to drink this whole thing. Um, so in my early sort of formative years, was like, okay. Um, as as I got a little little bit older, and I was enjoying New Year in in many many different ways. I was usually going there very hungover, so it was always always one of those struggles. I'm going to have to force down this uh, this Glenfiddich right. 12. But now, whenever I whenever I see the new bottles of it, um, <laughs> and they, uh, I'd see it always just reminds me yeah. of going to my grands at New Year, so I guess one of those whiskies that will always be special to yeah. me as well. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I guess how's that uh, sherry whiskey going down? Oh, it's delicious. Great. Smells, oh, smells oh, lovely. Yeah, really, really nice. Aye, you're very much your cup of tea as well, yeah. really sherry, but I mean, I love my sherry whiskey. Yeah, do you? Well, look. Guys, um, well, thank you so much for accommodating us. It's been absolutely fantastic hearing your whiskey stories and getting to know a little bit about the story behind Eden Mill. I'm really yeah. excited. This this wee Bothy area has been a, a perfect location for us to record our podcast. Really yeah. do thank you very much for that. And uh, it's it, yeah, really exciting times ahead for for Eden Think Mill. For, yeah, and I'm really excited for that. And, and, I, and I think something quite unique and that you know we've seen a lot of. Um, you know, older distilleries have this new, yes. you know, new lease of life. But y- y- you're a distillery that started out from nothing, that started from scratch, yeah. and then you're now getting this new lease of life for this new distillery. Yeah. And I think that's something maybe, maybe unique in Scotland. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I always say is um, how many people will be able to say that they helped set up and were there day one of a of a new distillery and there's not yeah. many people in this industry that no. can say that so so it's we're, we're really lucky to be in this position well that's yeah, it yeah. Well, thank you very much for having no. us and, no thank and you, you. Cheers, cheers, no, thank thank you. you. Cheers. cheers thank you there we go